Welcome to the latest episode of Eye of the Swarm, your inside look at anything and everything related to Yellow Jacket Athletics with our production engineer, Elliot Swery, the Big Sound Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and uh, winter sports wrapping, winter not wrapping. I was uh, thinking about it the second of three times this week when I was moving snow that uh, that March 24th baseball doubleheader just might be in jeopardy now with this winter storm Gerald that blew through here this week. Wow, that was a big one. Um, yeah, I mean, there were some school districts that were closed for three days. Yep. Most of them were closed for two. Um, boy, yeah, it was something. I, you know, and I, I didn't get any time off. We stayed open. Yep. So I was there. Um, and it's kind of interesting watching different people's reactions to bad weather up here. Um you know, because it's it's just kind of part of the deal. We have a lot of people that are in town that are tourist type people, though. That like came to the store, and they were <laughs> they were making me laugh because they're like, is, "Is this like a normal occurrence?" I'm like, "Well, I mean, we get three or four of these per year." So this is, I mean, it's not like every day we get this, right? And I I will say this: I think we've probably gotten more snow this year than we have in a couple of years now. Well, but the the fact that we got to the last week of February before we got the big snow dump, right? I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. Because you usually know? we get that in March. Yeah. So you know, and we might still get it in March. You never we could know. Very well, still get yeah. another one. Um, but you know, yeah, there's a lot of snow on the ground, and, and they, you know, my parents even they come up from the cities to visit. They came up for President's Day weekend and. Uh, stayed up. Uh, we were at uh, Grand Superior Lodge in uh, in Two Harbors, just north of Two Harbors, and we were kind of sitting there. And my uh, my parents were like, "Well, you got a lot of snow on the ground up here." I'm like, "Well, this is more than we normally get." Mm-hmm. I would say at this point of the year, because we usually get one or two pretty good ones in March. Yeah, sometimes early April even. But right. you know, I was I looked around. And I was like, "Yeah, it has been." You know, I mean, we haven't been deluged with really cold weather. I think it's been consistently in that. You know. Five to ten degree range. We've had a lot, a while. Of, a lot yeah. of a good stretch of single digits with yeah. the, that wind chill, you know, with the dash in front right. of it. But. So it hasn't been ridiculously cold, but we have gotten a lot of snow. And I was looking at some of the snow banks, and it's impressive. I oh, mean, it's the the high drift in front of my house. We always have drifts. Oh yeah, I, we live in a wind tunnel and in our yard. Well, because you live right off of uh, a couple blocks yeah. off the lake, and right. yeah. you know, it's it's a wind tunnel. And when I I got done moving snow the third time. Right. I, I took the tape measure out and, and put it at the high point of the high drift in front of our house, and it was 29 and a half inches. Right, yeah. And I, I figured prior to the storm, it was probably at five or six. Well, and this one was a little bit different from other storms that we've had, a little bit different from the Thanksgiving storm that we had in, what was that, 18, 19, whatever that was. Yeah. Um, because that all came, like, in one day. Like, yeah. It was just a huge – this was a really gradual kind of thing where, like, it was kept falling, and it looked – yeah, it's nasty out there. But it just kept going and going and going and on and on. And then it and paused. On. And then it paused. And then it started again. Yeah, and then it started again. <laughs> and then by the end of it, you're like, well, it's not snowing too bad. And, you know, there's some accumulation. But then you, by the time it finally moved on, and you looked around, it was like, holy smokes, we yeah. got a lot of snow. This is a lot of snow. Yeah. And it just, it was that gradual progression, I think, that kind of lulls you to sleep. Because a lot of times when we get these big storms, it's a one-day thing where you get, yeah, we're going to get 12 to 18 in the next 24 hours. And then everybody just goes, okay, well. You know, go grab some, up for, so yeah, go get some peanut butter and eggs and bread, and then we'll just stay in the house, and that's it. Yep. You know, but, uh, you know, this one was a, a full 48-hour event, and it was a little bit, yeah, that makes it a little bit more, dip, you know, more 
more of a challenge in the sense that you don't really realize how bad it is until it's all over with, and you look around and you're like, "Wow, look at that snowbank over there." There's a yep. whole mountain over there now, mm-hmm. you know, Mount Snowdrift. Yeah, you know, sitting over there. It's just that's how that's how this one unfolded. So I think it kind of lulled some people to sleep. But yeah, and even driving over here today, you know, to record this, I was like, "Wow, there's a lot of snow. There's a lot of snow everywhere. There's right a now. lot of snow." And I, I how much so- did you shovel? Oh, you don't have, you don't shovel anymore though, do you? I got a snowblower now. Okay, right. Yeah, I got but- snowblower now, so I I was able to get out and. And uh, I used the snowblower twice okay. to clear, and then you know once to come through and clean up with the shovel at the end. And okay. of course, then the overnight there was a, another little dusting. Right. Yeah. So the sidewalk was covered again, and I just said, "I'm not doing it." I feel like we've gotten a lot of dustings too. There have been. Yeah, there've been a there lot of dustings been. this year. Yeah. Like we haven't had, I don't think, maybe one or two big storms, but it seems like we get an inch or two every week. Yeah, just from like, oh, just kind of, we had a flurry. Yeah, a few flurries. Well, the flurries start to add up, right. and then by the end of it, you're like, "Whoa, yeah, our, our flurries turned into one big snowbank." Yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah, it, it really did. And like the the snowbank in front of our house where it drifts, it, it drifts higher than my snowblower. Oh, and so I'm I'm pushing the snowblower. That's along. where it gets hard. It, yeah, it does get hard that way. But it's it's funny because my my son's watching me out the window because he likes to watch the snowblower, and he can't see it. So it looks like I'm just walking really slow down the sidewalk. And he kept asking my wife. And there's snow flying. What I was doing because <laughs> there was no snowblower this time. Right, I was just yeah. walking really slow. The biggest thing I had problems with, especially when I used a snowblower the first time down the cities when I was uh, still in my shoveling and snowblowing days, um, was the fact that like if the snow was higher than the snowblower, you would like tunnel it out and then a whole bunch of it would just drop. It would just you. fall down and then you have yeah. to do it again. Yep. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And it mm-hmm. fall on you and on top of the snowblower. Yep. You know, and that was that's the hard part of the snowblower. Yeah. Because they still haven't quite figured out how to get different levels. Yeah. That's still something in in, in maybe someday. Yeah, you know, I think that's that's like the next step in snowblower technology. I don't, I I don't picture myself buying that snowblower because this one was expensive enough and it. Right. Yeah. It does a marvelous job. But so. they haven't quite figured out how to how to manage that yet. And for to be perfectly honest, most places don't have to deal with that mm-hmm. we're in a place that does yeah so um yeah that's that's kind of unique but yeah those that that was one of those things that's like snowblower is a great thing as long as the snow doesn't go any high than the actual snowblower does right <laughs> yeah because after that then it, it it falls everywhere yeah and then like you said you got to go over it again you got to go over it again anyway you know and i then, should get it in my gloves and then go to clean up the shovel and, and yeah all exactly you, all of that to say the early start to spring sports could be in jeopardy up here. It could be. Yeah, that's, it's, it's going to be. It's a long way around for us to get to that point. But yeah, because yes. now, yeah, now you look at you're looking extended forecasts, and I right, spring yeah. sports coaches always have the weather app ready to go. Oh yeah, they so do. they can they, they're tracking that stuff multiple times a day, and they're sitting here right now going, we we need several days in a row of you know thirty two right. plus temps to get this thing to start melting. It's just not in the forecast right. yet. Yeah, right. And this is the time of the year where you and I start. Comparing notes about what we think is going to happen with the weather, right? Because we don't do that really for the first about well, six months of the year when yeah. we're broadcasting. Like yeah. it doesn't really matter. No, now it's now now it becomes a thing now because it now it affects baseball and softball, and we have to decide like, okay, so what do you think our chances are playing today? Right. You know, and so we compare notes usually in a couple times. You know, usually a couple hours before a day, especially on a rainy day. Mm-hmm. You know, because rain is, you know. People underestimate how important and how detrimental rain is right. in those two sports. Yeah. You know, oh, it's just raining a little bit. No, nah, it's a little different than that. Yeah. So that comes in, and thank God we have field turf. Yeah. That's the other thing, mm-hmm. you know, because back in the old days, when I first came here, 
and this same thing with you, we're playing on all grass. Yeah. And right now, like you could look at it and say, wow, there's no chance at see all. See in May. Yeah, we'll see in May. <laughs> you know, the only thing that even makes us think that we might be able to get these games in at all in late March, early April is, is the fact that we turf. have field turf. Yeah. Without that, we'd be we'd be on an indefinite hiatus. Yeah. Trying to the, figure out when when we're going to be able to get these games in. No, it, it would go back to the like the the years I want to say like 2012, 2013, 2014, somewhere in there where it was such a an awful spring. Right, we, yeah. We had nothing. Yeah. We had nothing at home. Everything was on the road. Yeah, everything was at a neutral site. You know, and, and it was, it wasn't, that wasn't just us. I mean, it was basically anybody. In the upper Midwest, basically. North of Highway 29 in Wisconsin. Right, yeah. You know, had to go further south in the state to, to have yeah. a way to play games they because were, it was just such a, a remarkable winter. I remember <laughs> um, that they were playing games, and, and I think this was before U.S. Bank Stadium. Metro still. I think they were playing games twenty four hours a day. Yeah, they were because they were trying to get them all in. You were getting start times at two a.m. Yeah, like they were, and, and that was because they were playing high school and college games yep. there. Yep. So they were trying to get as much. And in you had like your two or two and a half hour block. Yep. And if you didn't have your game completed, time limit. Yeah, and, they played a time you, limit, and you so were if, done. If you got either the time limit ran out or seven innings in, mm-hmm. that was good enough. They were going to just call the game and then. Move on from there. But, yeah, they were actually running the Metrodome, I think, around the clock. Yep, that, you are right on that. Trying to get as many games in as they could. And now it would be the same story with the U.S. Bank Stadium. If yeah. that happened, that's what would happen. They would have to play 24 hours a day. I think the difference, though, now is even in – there are a lot more field turf facilities out there. That's true. And, you know, you're having high schools build their, their own facilities with field turf like they did here right. in Superior, like they did in Proctor. Well, and the big question and, also now is how they how many more – Domes are we going to see popping up? Right. You know, that are That'll, capable that of, allow some of this to get in. Yeah, because I know there's quite a few for softball, but I don't know if there's really too many indoor uh, stadiums There's not for a whole lot you yeah. can do for baseball because right. you have to have a legitimate dome stadium. But softball is able to to get away with playing in some of those domes. But right, yeah. Anyway, all that said, we do have games going on here because winter sports still going on even though they are wrapping up. Yeah, there are a few uh, teams that are done for the season, and we'll jump right into it here. Uh, women's basketball is one of those teams that is now done for the campaign. They finished 16, 6-19 overall, 5-9 and nine in the UMAC. They concluded the 2021-22 campaign by splitting their final two regular season games last weekend, falling to Minnesota Morris 72-68 at Jim Grimmel's Court in Morris on Friday before closing out the regular season with a 69-47 win over Crown at the Wild Athletic Center in St. Bonifacius on Saturday. And then the Yellow Jackets saw their season finally come to an end last night as we record this on a Thursday afternoon. Yellow Jackets fell to Minnesota Morris in the opening round of the UMAC tournament, falling to the Cougars 64-47. In that first matchup against Morris on Friday, the Yellow Jackets led 36-35 at halftime and still led by one heading to the fourth at 51-50 before the Cougars outscored UWS 22-17, including 11-1 from the free throw line down the stretch. So that's an ugly stat there, and that's that's how you get beat yep, in a game a that you one. led. Yeah. UWS, unfortunately, losing effort despite shooting 52% from the field. Sam Perendo led the way for the Jackets. She had 17 points. Maddie Sanders had 7 points and 11 rebounds in that game. Then the next day against Crown, the Jackets closed out the regular season with that win. They led 20-9 after one and 39-26 at halftime. You know, Jackets also outscored the Storm by 9 in the second half, so they were pretty much in control the whole way in that one. Kaelin Christian scored 16 points for the Jackets, hitting 7 out of 11 from the field. And then last night in that playoff game against the Cougars, the Yellow Jackets 
Actually led 17 to 10 after one, but then we're outscored 54 to 30 the rest of the way. The Yellow Jackets were shooting about 26% from the floor before it was all said and done. Maddie Sanders finished with eight points and eight rebounds for the Yellow Jackets. Tough way to go out. Um, be tough way, but at the same time, almost fitting for the how difficult the season was for them. Yeah, yeah, you know, they they would tough, have it was a tough end to a tough year. I it guess. was, uh, you know, for the most part, they were able to play one or two usually good quarters per game, but it was really hard for them to string together four quarters on a nightly basis. And that's exactly what happened last night. Played a really good first quarter, and then things just sort of dropped out on them. End up losing, like I said, by seventeen. Mm-hmm. I'll score by twenty four the rest of the way. It was just a it was a tough season. Yeah. So. I think they'll take some time and uh, process what happened and try to make some plans to uh, improve next year. I think that's going to be pretty much the Well, and, well yeah, you know, it's been kind of the theme when we've been doing these shows together, Matt. There's a lot of youth in that program. Yeah, there They're is. They're a young team. And there's there, when you are you have that many young players on your roster, you're going to have growing pains. Yeah. From the start of the year until the final buzz, you're going to have those growing pains. Yeah, and they had two uh, uh, full seniors on this team. They had uh, three academic seniors on this team, uh, Brianna O'Donnell and Maddie, San, or, uh, Maddie Larson. Excuse me. One of the two seniors on the team, Brianna, of course, a starter for the most part. Maddie uh, Larson spent most of her career coming off the bench. And then Kaya Davies, who also graduated or is going to graduate. In the spring with her degree, she still has a year of eligibility to use if she wants it. But, uh, yeah, it's a young team, um, and a lot of freshmen and sophomores played a lot of big minutes this year. And so, um, yeah, there's some potential for, for growth there. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it was a rough way to end. And, like I said, I think there'll be some self-reflection there for Coach Zach Otto Fisher and the Yellow Jackets mm-hmm. as they move forward heading into next year. Uh, men's basketball, 10-16 and 16 overall is how they finish. The campaign, 6-8 and eight in the UMAC. They close out the regular season with a pair of wins, a couple of good wins, actually, on the road. Defeating Minnesota Morris 86-82. That game was played at Jim Grimmel's Court as well. on Or in Morris, excuse me, on Friday before downing Crown 81-63 on Saturday at the Wild Athletic Center in St. Bonifacius. The L Jackets then fell in the opening round of the UMAC tournament to Bethany Lutheran in a uh, come-from-behind effort from the Vikings 80-78 to last night in Mankato. Against Morris, the L Jackets trailed 48-35 at the break. For shooting 56.3% from the field in the second half to outscore the Cougars 51-34. And rally for the win, Javon Walker, 20 points for the Jackets. Joseph Fahrenholtz had it 18 points. Xavier Patterson with 14, while Mason Ackley finished with 13. So good balance there for UWS. And then, in something of a revenge game, really, against Crown the following day, the Jackets outscored the Storm by 9 points in each half. Josh Reinertson, who went on a tear from three-point range in his last two games. We'll talk more about that in a second. Yeah. He scored 18 points. He went a perfect 6-for-6 six six from three-point range in that game. Xavier Patterson and Joseph Fahrenholtz scored 12 points as well, while Joey Barker finished with 11. And then against the Vikings, the Yellow Jackets started out strong, took a 40-29 to lead at the break before Bethany Lutheran rallied back to outscore the Jackets by 13, 51-38 after halftime. Josh Reinerson again had a big game. He scored 18 points, went 6 out of 7 from three-point range. 15 in the first half. Yeah, he had 15 of them in the first half. Mason Ackley, 17 points, where Javon Walker finished with 15, and Xavier Patterson had 14 for UWS, but Josh Reinerson altogether 12 for his last 13 threes wow. on the regular season. That's an incredible number. I don't think I've seen a men's player put up that kind of performance. Not in recent memory. No, that's crazy. I Not mean, he in scored memory. his last two games altogether. Josh Reinerson scored 36 points while taking a grand total of 13 shots. That's called efficient. That is very efficient. You take that, that's an efficiency rating that's off the scales. Yeah, that's really, really efficient. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's crazy. Mm hmm. And, you know, it's uh, it hopefully will be a harbinger of things to come right. with him and be able to get him going. I know that he was 
a little bit fighting it earlier in the year, trying to get, find his his range. But boy, did he find his range! He sure did. In those last couple of games, and actually, not a bad way to end for the L Jackets. No, they really. had a, a race, a real nice balanced effort there. Yep. In you know that game last night, and you know they they had some difficulties in January, right? Yep. And into early February, but they they I think they dug out of that nicely, and yeah. You know, and answered the bell down the stretch, even though they lost last night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at their balance across the board, they had four guys in double figures against Morris. They had four more in double figures against Crown, and four more yesterday against the Vikings. And that's that's what the key is to becoming a good basketball team. You got to have balance, right? And they were able to find some balance at the end, and hopefully, with a team of no seniors on it, right? You know, it gives them a nice uh, a nice uh, head start on heading into next year. So, mm-hmm. so they're both done. Uh, women's hockey is not done. They're 10-12-1 overall, 4-4-0-1 in the WIAC. They won their last two regular season games this week in defeating Northland by scores of 6-0 and 3-0 respectively on Friday and Saturday at Westman Arena. And then the L Jackets defeated Northland for a third straight time here. Actually, fourth straight time overall for the whole season. 5-2 last night in the opening round of the WIAC ter- Conference Tournament at Westman Arena in Superior. Tense first period. Yeah, we'll get more into that first period, boy, in a little bit here. That was, uh, that was a little bit of a gut shot, but mm-hmm. uh, they were able to come back from that one. On Friday, the Yellow Jackets got two goals each from Amanda Sargent and Ella Reynolds, along with additional tallies from Emma Booth, Kaylee Swearhoon, and Molly Black picked up the um, saving or the, the shutout and goal. She only had to make four saves, though. Jackets outshot them 56 to 4. It was 14 0 in the first period, and I think 36 to 1 through 2. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I was not there, obviously, but wow. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Then on Saturday, the Yellow Jackets got goals from Emma Booth, Tessa Jordy, and Gabby Andriachi. While Mackenzie Whalen made her return to goal and made 13 saves. And then last night's game, like you said, fell behind 2-0 in the first period. was pretty tense there for a while. And then the Yellow Jackets came alive in the second period, scored four times in the period. Went 3-4 for four on the power play for the game, had a shorty in there as well. Jenna Curtis scoring twice for the Yellow Jackets, while Emma Booth, Ella Reynolds, and Tessa Jordy also scored for the Yellow Jackets. Mackenzie Whalen got the win and goal for UWS as well, so... A little bit tenser, like you said, that first period last yeah. night. That was a little Tense bit first of first period, a, but yeah. you know things weren't going well, and uh, they weren't playing well. No, they weren't. But then second period order was restored, and, right. and they yeah. came out. They looked good. Yeah, they did. They did, and uh, you know they they in that first period, I thought they were just a step slow mm-hmm. across the board. Um, you know, because I did the play by play, and in the first period, they just they didn't really have it. Right. You know, the passes were off the mark. They weren't moving their feet. Northam was clogging passing lanes really well. Had an aggressive forecheck, and it resulted in two goals. Yeah, one off of a turnover. And so, yeah, I mean, credit to Northland. They came out ready to go, you know, and caught the Yellow Jackets a little bit off guard, I think. Mm-hmm. But then the last, you know, 40 minutes, they were able to yeah. pick it up and, and take care of business. Things don't get any easier, though, next weekend. No. So we'll talk more no, about that in don't. a second here. Men's hockey is also still going, and we'll talk more about them in just one second here. Yellow Jackets now 15, 10, and 2 overall. They swept their opening round WIAC tournament. Series with UW Stout last Friday and Saturday at Finetti Community Center in Menominee by defeating the Blue Devils in what looks like a pair or a tale of two different kinds of games here. one nothing on Friday and 7-4 to four on Friday or on Saturday. Saturday had multiple personalities. <laughs> there was a lot going on there. <laughs> well, you, when you go from one total goal to 11 yeah. in a 24-hour span, you've, uh, you've, you're kind of running the, running the range of things there, yeah. I feel like. And it was the way Saturday unfolded. Okay, because I'll get more into that yeah, in a minute we'll, here. we'll talk about that. On Friday, the Yellow Jackets, Reed Stark scored the game's only goal at 547 in the third period, while Miles Hector pitched a shutout in goal with 26 saves. And then on Saturday, the Yellow Jackets got single goals from seven different players, which is – that doesn't happen real often. No, it doesn't. 
Uh, Matt Francois, Sam Stern, Zach Bannister, Austin Friesen, Jordan Martin, Charles Martin, and Gavin Rasmussen. All scored goals for the Yellow Jackets, while Miles Hector made 18 stops in goal for UWS. And I know that you have multiple personalities is how you describe that game. Um. Yeah, you, you do. You know, um, I mean, it's it's tough playing the – it's just like if you watch a, a professional playoff series. Right, yeah. And when you're seeing the same team four straight games, you, you learn a little bit about each other. Right, You learn yeah. how they're going to play. And by the time you get to that fourth game – Things can be right. can be difficult, and Friday was a night where it was a tight game and emotion was high, and you wondered how that was going to carry over into Saturday. And I think because there there was in in my mind, I was thinking, and I said it in the pregame with Coach McKenna, I have a hunch this is going to be a special teams game because the officials are going to come in right away and say, we're not putting up with it. Right, yeah. To their credit, they officiated a wonderful game. Okay. To the credit of both teams, they stayed out of it. Okay. They just played hockey. Okay. More credit to Stout because you talk about, you used the phrase in the air last night that Northland landed a couple haymakers. Right, yeah. First period last Saturday, we landed some haymakers. Okay. And it was four to nothing after one. And shots were fourteen to three in the first period. Okay, it was arguably the best period we've seen all year. Okay, five on five goals, power play goal, shorthanded goal. Right, wonderful period of hockey. Right, would have been very very easy for Stout at that point to go. Well, that's it. We're done. So we might as well take a couple with us. All right, and they did not. Okay, and they came out and threw haymakers themselves. And next thing you know, it's five four after two. I saw that scoreline and I was and like, And you're wow. going, Oh my goodness. Okay, so there was this dominant first period, then this dominated second period. So there's two of your personalities. And then in the third period was a little more like the first and the third, and the yellow jacket scored twice okay. and, and and got the win. So it was actually almost like three different games within okay. the game. Well, because after that second uh, during that second intermission, you're thinking, buckle up. Well, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, Oh, okay. So you know, you're at one point. You know, it's be interesting half an hour minutes. ago, you're yeah. sitting here going, "All right, we answered the bell. We're gonna be, we're gonna be good here. We're gonna be good." Right, yeah. And then at half hour later, you're going, "Huh? They answered the bell, right? Okay. So we we got a game here. We got a game. This there's the issue very much is in doubt. Right. We've got a game here. So buckle up. This is going to be fun. And fortunately, we had the better third period. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the UMAC uh, women's tournament. Uh, championship game between UWS and uh, Northwestern because we were up three nothing, and then they scored twice in like five minutes in yep. the last twenty minutes, and they made it three two. Yep. And then I thought, okay, buckle up now because yep. we got eleven or twelve minutes to go. But then after that, you know, flex our muscles and yeah, order got the restored. Yeah. And we played a much yeah. better third period than they did. Right. And, and that's what happened in the women's soccer game too. Yeah. And I yeah. Th- I think part of it was they they were tired from chasing it. Okay. Right, you yeah. know, they just didn't have much left. They in the didn't tank. have an, a lot left in the tank, so I, I think that's kind of what happened there. Yeah, but uh, but when, that's the joy of playoff hockey, though. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, that that's that was a, a full blown playoff series. Yep. You know, and uh, I'm glad we got out of it, and you know, sets the table for more more what will be absolute playoff hockey this weekend. Oh yeah, absolutely, and we'll talk more about that in our final segment. Mm-hmm. And uh, men's and women's indoor track and field. Only the men were in action last week. Uh, they went and uh, 
participated in the Mark Miller Invitational hosted by Minnesota State at Myers Fieldhouse in Mankato, Minnesota on Saturday. Yellow Jackets finished in seventh place with a team total of 16 points. Derek Moe led the way for UWS, placing third in the 3,000 meters with a PR time of 8 minutes, 39.53 seconds. Tyler Finger placed fifth in the mile run with a time of 4 minutes, 25.10 seconds. And Gage Dinkowitz placed third in the shot put for UWS as well. Based on his performances this weekend, Derek Moe was named UMAC Men's Track and Field Athlete of the Week for the fourth straight week. I'm getting to that point now with that award. Cut and paste. Yeah, where I'm kind of thinking they're going to put his name on it here pretty soon. <laughs> I mean, this is a month straight now where he's been the UMAC uh, Men's Athlete of the Week. Yeah, he's been a he's had a very nice indoor season. Yeah, to say very the least. Very nice indoor season. I can't remember the last athlete we've had that's had four straight. CJ Pilleth. Oh, yeah, well, I told you. <laughs> yeah, that's... But, I mean, both track and field athletes. Right. But, uh, yeah, this is the first runner we've had mm-hmm. do it in a long time. So, yeah. Derek Moe rolling right along in his senior campaign. So, congratulations to him big yep. time. And last but not least, men's and women's tennis. The men posted a pair of victories this weekend. Nice wins for them, by the way. Very nice. Defeated St. Mary's 9 nothing and Laura 7-2 on Friday and Saturday, respectively. While the women lost to St. Mary's 8-1 and 6-3. All four matches were played on Friday and Saturday, like I said, in Winona, Minnesota. On the men's side against St. Mary's, the Yellow Jackets got singles wins from Michael James, Andre Luiz, Gergo Potts Nagy, Kazuki Sato, Jace Gilbertson, and Carl Lamont, as well as doubles wins from the duos of Luiz and Potts Nagy at number one doubles, James and Sato at number two doubles, Gus Rasmussen and Dominic Hendrickson also won at number three doubles. Against Loris, the Yellow Jackets got singles wins from James, Luiz, Potts Nagy, and Sato, along with doubles wins from Luiz and Nagy at number one doubles, and James and Sato at number two doubles as well as Hendrickson and Rasmussen, number three doubles. With the wins, the Yellow Jackets are now 2-2 two and two on the season. Good wins for them. Very good. Really impressive performances. Now on the women's side against St. Mary's, the Yellow Jackets' lone victory came from Maya Callaway, number one single. She defeated the Cardinals. Natalie Peterson, 5-7-6-2-10-7 in a marathon match. Against Loris, the Yellow Jackets got wins from Callaway and Caitlin Severson, along with a doubles win from the duo of Chiono Ono and Callaway at number one doubles. So that's what happened last week, but... Uh, it was nice to see a few more W's posted yeah. there. Uh, very it was nice. getting, we were getting pretty bare bones there a for a while. There. We were yeah. in a bit of a drought. And should add, too, that uh, both Michael Janes and Maya Callaway were UMAC Player of the Week. Oh, nice. Appreciate and that. Michael yeah. Janes uh, set the school record for singles victories. He did, yes. He's now at 17 in his career. So. And there's going to be a lot more coming. There's going to be more coming, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Coach Schaffner's put together a very couple, nice couple, team. Na- couple nice teams there. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So. We're going to take a break, and we will come back, and we're going to get ready to talk some basketball. The uh, The men's basketball team will have a presence here on Eye of the Swarm, even though I feel like with the weather this week, we should call it Eye of the Storm. But <laughs> at any rate, we're going to catch up with Andrew Cornelius and Greg Polkowski, the Yellow Jacket men's basketball team, when Eye of the Swarm continues right after this. Can I borrow the sports page? Are we sure we're ready for this expansion? Of course we're ready for it. It's a great idea. Let's celebrate with a vacation. (laughs) I'm thinking Hawaii. (laughs) We're ready for you. Is it okay if my friend comes with? Of course. Imagination's always welcome here. Bring us your best ideas. Let's see how we can help. National Bank of Commerce. Imagination's welcome.
We're back for the roundtable segment of Eye of the Swarm, and we are happy to be joined by Andrew Canelius from the Yellow Jacket men's basketball team, head coach Greg Polkowski, who already thanked us, so you're welcome for having you on, thank you on for this segment. Thank you for having us again. And, on air, thank you. <laughs> and, There's a lot uh, of thank yous going on. A lot of thanking going around, and uh, I know this is a – we thank you because this, this is a tough one. I mean, this is the, uh, the post-mortem, I guess – post-mortem podcast that we're, we're doing today is we record this on a Thursday and uh, you and your club had your season coming to an end last night. So let's uh, give us uh, the 35,000 foot view of the 21-22 campaign and then we can uh, figure out what road we're going to go down from there. Yeah, I think um, that view is uh, still probably still being processed, I think, as we've gone through the year. Um for anybody that's followed us um, and for people that have been there on the daily. Um, it was ups and downs. I think we saw flashes of, of what we feel this team can be um, in victories that we've had, that we've played together as a team, that we've we've been consistent on both sides of the ball. And uh, and those were positives. And we've, we've saw a number – or all of our returners contribute this year when we – we saw newcomers contribute, and that's what the vision was. And at the same time, um, I think it's no secret that that we had some inconsistencies within that. Whether it was, you know, offensive, uh, you know, getting struggles at times. I thought we were really good defensively at the beginning of the year. Um, I thought that kind of faded a little bit during the middle third of the year, and I thought we got it back a little bit at the end. Um, so I thought we. we Consistency, I, I think, was a challenge for us at times. Um, you know, it, and that's something that we're still figuring out. I, I think that we had a group that wanted to go win, that wanted to compete. I think we still had some youth to us. We had guys that are returners that we all are aware of that were put into different roles this year. And I think uh, there's a learning curve behind that um, and how we go about our business a little bit. Um and that that's not a bad thing. That's just what it was. And then we, you know, we had a number of new guys that contributed this year that I think went through their own progression. Um, I thought the end of the year, I thought we did some really good things. I mean, we we had a, a dominating loss, if you will, to Crown College at home about a month ago. And I thought we we learned a lot. We responded. Went back down there this past weekend. Uh, played really well. Maybe one of our best games of the year. And there was contributions by everybody. Um, one out to Morris and one on the road where it's always been tough for us and was tough out there this time too. But I thought that showed some, some, uh, just some resiliency out of our group. And we went down to Bethany again, as you mentioned last night for the third year in a row. And, uh, you know, I think we had a 13 point lead, uh, into the second half and, um, yeah, just some things that, you know, situational things that, um, we got to keep getting better at, but I, I think we showed glimpses of that. Uh, we lost the lead. We got back in. We either took the lead back in the second half or within striking distance with, within the last minute of play. And it's playoff basketball. You got to show up and there's, uh, you know, be present in those moments. And I think we put ourselves in that moment. Um, now it's now it's about taking the next step. And I, I maybe we'll get into that conversation. Maybe we won't. Um, so I think we had our ups and downs. Um, but we we need to find a consistency and. Um, I shouldn't even say find it because I think we know what needs to be done. It's it's being consistent in who we are as a program, uh, within our culture, within our values, um, and, and just really, yeah, doing that daily. So that that's the corny version, the honest version, 
the day after version. Uh, if you ask me next week, there might be some more added to that or some regrets. Maybe I should have taken some of that back too. I don't know, but uh, that's a pretty, I guess, where my headspace is at right now after getting back from Mankato at 2 a.m. and uh, <laughs> um, where, where I'm at. But but I will reiterate a lot of positives from every guy in our team. Um, but obviously, as competitors, we want to keep raising the bar. As a player, do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I'd say for sure, like, as the year went on, like, especially towards the end of the year when we did start playing better, like, everyone was a lot more mature than they were when we went through, like, that little slump there in the middle. But, yeah, I agree. You brought up consistency or, Mm -hmm. I guess, inconsistency, Mm -hmm. um, maybe more fitting the word. I don't want to look back at last year too much, but with the way last year went and the fact that you had such a young team a year ago, and they didn't get to go through some of those those dogfights that you experienced in a full mm-hmm. season this year. Did that play a role? Yeah, I don't know. And uh, I, I won't come on here to publicly or privately or anything not own where we were this year and to put any front of an excuse up. Um, I will tell you that, you know, something I thought that is going to be a big something that I think is going to be a big opportunity for our team to have success next year is really managing situations, showing composure, showing poise, and, and really being the at the forefront of those actions. Um, we were put in a lot of those situations this year. We had a lot of single-digit games. We had a lot of second-half leads. Um, those were new experiences for us. And I, I think you know we had one last night, again, um, that those are situations that we can grow from. Uh, did we have a lot of those the year before? No. Um, you know, I talked to Josh Reinerson last night on the way back, and, um, you know, in the last two games, he's 13 or 14 from three. And, you know, you look at that and it's like, well, should Josh have been doing this more right away? Or did I miss something there? Or did we? Whatever it is. But I also told him, you know, you played five games your freshman year or whatever it was, he might have played six. It might have been five. Um, and then, you know, I think he played in 22 games this year. He was out with a shutdown uh, this year as well. So for him to hit that stride in his career at approximately game 30 with you're looking at potentially 60 to, seven, 60 to 70 games left, that's where you want to see those guys at. So is there some truth to that a little bit? I don't know. Uh, Joseph Farenholtz, I thought, has played really good. These last two weeks, um, you know, he's at the same thing. You know, he's sitting on game 50 with 50 games to go. Um, you know, could that have been a little sooner this year? I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, I think there's – I don't know. It's worth the conversation. Um, but but either way, we are where we are now. So, I mean, we, we learn where we're at, and we do have to use it moving forward. There, there's no doubt. I mean, we, we can't be sitting here at this time next year having the same conversation. I'll say that. So I hope not. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I felt like you guys really hit a wall after the crown game. And I don't know if it was physical or mental, um, you know, because crown came in and they just had way more energy than you guys that day. I mean, I felt like I felt it from the opening five minutes. It's like, wow, they're just a a step faster than we are everywhere right now. And we just never really got into it that game. I was surprised. I think that it was that game where you guys hit that wall. But it took you guys a couple weeks to come out of that. And, you know, I, I think just this last weekend, and even last night was a good step forward just because you did come back from behind at Morris to win. Um, and you beat Crown by 20. 
in that second game, which, you know, coming off of a 32-point loss at home to that same team, I mean, that's a dramatic swing yep. in your performance. So, yeah, that, that was good to see. I thought, you know, I didn't see, obviously, much of the game yesterday. I mean, we had it up a little bit uh, while I was broadcasting the women's hockey game. But, um, you know, you guys looked good based on what I saw, just, you know, in between the second, you know, even the first and second period and the second and third period. I thought you guys looked good, you know, playing Bethany. And that's a tough gym to play in because they're really good at home. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was gratified to see that you guys did come out of it because I knew there for a while you and I had talked. You were kind of scratching your head trying to figure out how we're going to come out of this because it, it was kind of a slog there for about two weeks after Crown and then getting that win against Moore. So it seemed like it gave you guys a lot of energy that weekend and then you kind of carried it over in the last three games, which was good to see. Yeah, and I think – I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong in anything you said, Matt, and I think – um, as I'm, as we're putting this out on the airways of my processing and digesting of the season, there, you know, you you fight out of it by, I mean, obviously you got to stay flexible in your approach and do you change this or tweak that. But um, you know, as Andrew will attest to, I mean, we go lose to Crown by thirty, and Crown obviously is a very capable team this year. You know, the two seed in the UMAC and having beaten Northwestern by thirty as well. Yep. Uh, we didn't change anything in right. game two. We reiterated what we need to do, and I think if you talk about consistency in our our early conversation, um, it's staying true to who we are. It's not jumping ship when something doesn't go perfect or right. And um, I think it's just really embracing who we are. And and when you are with a younger group and you are with some unknowns of guys in new roles or new players, it's, it's maybe easy for anybody to question, oh, should we do this or should we do that? No, we got we to gotta stay locked in what we're doing. You know, we, we faded a bit away from our defensive approach after that first third of the year, and I, I think we paid for it. Well, we got to stay locked in on that. You know, we we hemmed and hawed a little bit on things in that crown game with the you know what they present as challenges, and it kind of blew up in our face. And when we reiterated and said, "No, we're going to stick to this," um, that's who we were. You know, and obviously I can say that because the ball was going in the hoop that night, but the approach didn't change, and we just need to stay we need to stay locked in and in, in who we are. So and consistent, consistent. You know, back to what uh, we discussed before. I agree. I mean, you and I, we had a, I forget which game it was. I think it was after North Central where you said, look, it's going to come down to everybody, me included, talking about you as a coach, to pick up the energy and understand that we got to stay disciplined and stay on course for what we're doing instead of getting away from it at certain times. Because, you know, even I go back to the North Central game, you guys got off to a really good start, and then it just kind of sort of faded as the game went on. And that was kind of how I saw the Northwestern game too, was kind of the same way is you guys started well and then faded again. And that was kind of the what I felt like was kind of the pattern there for those two weeks after Crown. But then in the last couple of games, especially the game against Morris, you change that. Start out maybe a little bit slow, they start out fast, and then you build your energy as the game goes on. It looked like you guys did that, at least statistically anyway, against Morris. And against Crown, it was really a complete performance. I mean, you outscored them by nine in each half. You know, so that's a pretty consistent performance. And then yesterday, started out well. Maybe you know they got a little bit of energy down in their gym. Bethany did and pushed back, and you end up losing it by two. But the energy question was the one that you and I, I think, had talked about mostly going to the Northwestern game. Was how do you keep that energy and that focus at an even keel throughout? 
you know, and, and bounce back from, well, you know, we had a really good five minutes stretch. Now we had a not so good five minute stretch, but now we can't let that carry over to the rest of the game. And I felt like for a couple of weeks though, that was tough to find. And I think you guys started to find it maybe a little bit more as the last couple of games unfolded. I'm watching Andrew over there nodding as you're, you're talking. So you, you agree with this. Yeah, I definitely say like, like when we were at halftime versus Morris, out in Morris, we were down maybe like 11 and a half, and like nobody's hanging their heads at all. Like we all stayed confident. Whereas early in the year, like when we hit that wall, like there's a lot more like hanging of heads and stuff, and just energy wasn't there. But we went into Morris, and not like nobody on the team was phased. Everyone was just ready to get back out there and prove that we were the better team. And we went out there in the second half and did it. So, yeah. Well, I mean, and that's that's part of the maturing process, mm-hmm. you know, because things are not always going to go your way. And I saw it with men's hockey. I know you have too. You know, sometimes you're going to have periods of a, you know of a hockey game where things don't go your way, it, or you're going to have a half a basketball where it doesn't go your women's way. Women's hockey last night, yeah, exactly. First period, yeah, first period last night was a classic example. You know, that first period was really rough, and then they came out and picked up their energy in the second period and took control of the game. And that, but that's what you have to do as a college athlete. It's not going to be one of those situations where you know everything's always going to go your way because the competition is just that much more tough. The guys are going to be much more locked in. Sometimes you're going to have you know a half where you just can't find the bottom of the hoop, even if you get good looks. But that's where you can't just say, well, it's just not going to be our night. No, you got to try to fight back. And that's what it looked like you guys did this past weekend, especially against Crown and Morris on the road. Doing it on the road is tough. And then going down to play Bethany Lutheran in their gym for the third straight year in the playoffs, that's tough as well. So, um, you know, there are a couple good things there. Number one, you showed that energy to come back. Number two, you did it on the road. Because doing it on the road is, is different from doing it at home, you know, regardless of what anybody says. So, um, yeah, I mean, based on what I saw, it looks like, uh, you know, you guys ended the season not completely where you wanted to be, but on a high, and that's a nice, you know, kind of way to push into the next season. So, Yeah, no, I, I agree with what you're saying, and I know you used the word energy, and uh, to just extend this conversation, I think anybody that has seen us play does know that we have the ability to play with energy. And I, I think, you know, in college athletics, whether it's basketball, hockey, baseball, whatever it is, um, you know, you're going to go through runs. Um, and obviously it's easy to keep your energy high when, you know, the ball is going through the hoop. Um, and when it's not, um, you know, it's a human emotion to to get tighter and all that. But I, I think back to the consistency of belief uh, in what we're doing and, and who we are, um, you know, as Andrew mentioned at halftime of the Morris game, um, you know, just staying true to that and, and not letting the scoreboard dictate your belief or, or your emotion or your energy, you know, and, and, and staying locked in on that. And, uh, again, I know that's a bit corny too, but that's, that, that's, you know, you got to grow into that. You know, you yep. can't just say, we're going to believe in this. I can't make anybody believe in it. You know, you gotta, you gotta believe in it because, that's what you believe in. And that's what you're about. So, and I think that grew uh, as the year has gone on, and I think it's a huge opportunity for us moving forward to just be completely uh, dialed in on that for sure. Well, I think you guys over the schedule, you played 26 games this year, saw different scenarios virtually every night. I mean, you had some games at the beginning of the year. Every game was close. You know, had a couple of chances to close out games, didn't get it done. And then you had a couple games where you just didn't have the energy. The game against Crown comes to mind, where it just, you know, like, it, you know, you just didn't have it that night. And going through those different experiences, that's how a team, a young team especially, because you guys didn't have one senior on this roster, you know, how a young team comes together, puts that all together, and hopefully they mature and they process that and say, look, 
We've been through every kind of different scenario now. We've had one year in, one really full year in with this group. You know, had a partial part of a year in the spring with this group for the most part, and then brought in some newcomers like Andrew. But that's part of that maturing process, and it does take a process because this is still a very young basketball team. And I, you know, I kind of harp back on that because you've got so many underclassmen that are playing big minutes right now. It's kind of going through all those different experiences and then processing it, and then when the moment comes back again, responding the, a better way than you did the first time. And that's part of the process. It's not corny. It's just that's the process that you're in right now. Is this two years in a row without a senior? Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that yeah, does, it, 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 yeah, it does lend itself to youth, you know, but at the, at the same time, I, it definitely lends itself to experience in a good way going forward. Yeah. I mean, you're all right. You're all <laughs> right. Uh, I think just where we all know where we're at. I mean, and we haven't even spoke as a team yet since we've uh, got off the bus um, less than 12 hours ago uh, where we're at right now. We haven't even spoke as a team, but um, yeah, you're you're right. And it, it, there are positives and there are great opportunities. And we talked after the game last night that, um, you know, there is an opportunity with the situation that we walked out of out of last night what we've walked out of out of after this past season. There's great opportunity, 100%. Um, but I, I guess, you know, to a point, even selfishly wanting to be known to anybody that is listening to this, I, I think there is a – there's a – it's a different um, opportunity in front of us now. There's kind of, a, um, you know, the learning and the experience, uh, which is all part of it. And, and, it's, and it is a positive. That is a positive. But there's also a um, a point where where we need to step forward on that, and I think that's something we all need to embrace. Not just even understand that it exists, but like really embrace that we're moving forward. And how do you move forward? I mean, we we have to keep living up and playing to standard, and uh, um, yeah, that's what we got to do. And that's what I, I know we can do. And I don't think it's anything new for our guys, but excited to to take that challenge on moving forward because um, I think we all know what we're capable of and we all know what product we want to put on the floor. And, you know, Andrew Cornelius, who's with us today, he that, that's what the vision is. So if that's what the vision is, well, then we got to do it. So. Want to expand on that as the, the player? Because we, we it, players sometimes have a, a different idea of – that next step in the process than a coach would. I know it kind of puts you on the spot when you're having to say it in front of your coach, but you know, from a, a player's point of view, what what do you view as that next step? Um, I'd say just people aren't used to being leaders, just having to step up even more and be leaders. I mean, we had that this year, but we're just going to have to become like even better leaders. But yeah, I just like the last three games, I mean, it's the same thing over and over, but yeah, like the steps we took there in those last three games were tremendous. Like people not getting down, like you'd see earlier in the year, people all like staying positive for the most part. And like, of course, there's going to be ups and downs, but just like everyone having each other's backs, whether you're in the game or not, like the energy was always there those last three games. And yeah, I really like like where, where we are right now and what we're going to do moving forward. You have to get away from that. Here we go again mindset. Right. Yeah. Yep. And that's. That's the hard part, right? Because college basketball is is a jump up from high school, and a lot of these guys aren't that far removed from high school. That's the that's the part that you know is tough to to put together. I mean, you can tell them that, 
but until they really experience it, see it in, in, in a live game situation, it's hard to, to contextualize it and say, yeah, you're right, this is way different than high school or way different than what we've played before. But that's, I mean, that, like I said, that's the nature of not just college basketball, but college sports. You know, is, yeah, okay, what you played at the lower level, that was great and all, but the next step up is now, you know, it becomes more intense. And then, Greg, to your point, now it's time to take that next step. Can't go backwards, got to go forward. And, um, yeah, I, I, you know, it looks like you guys are well on your way at the end of the year. That was, that's my biggest point. Yeah, no, and, and uh, I, I'm still, it's no secret right now as we sit here, I still have the emotion of uh, last night's game probably running through my head and uh, um, everything else, so it's probably coming out a bit in my words. But I, I still, I, there is many positives for every player on our roster this year from a developmental standpoint, from a contribution standpoint. And, you know, you look at last night's game to just really bring it recent. Uh, if you tell me, that we're going to go down to, and I might be a little off in this these numbers here, but if you tell me we're going to go down to Bethany and make 32 shots, shoot over 50%, make more shots than them, uh, we have struggled to rebound all year, and that has been an Achilles, and I will take uh, um, accountability on that. We were we were good last night. You know, We just played it even, turned it over a little bit, but uh, you had told me that, I'd say we'll take that all day long. I think we had four guys in double digits. Um shoot over 50% from three, I'd take that all day long. Now, and that that's not a – and I say that as in, oh, you know, we just didn't find a way to hang in there. Like, you know, I thought we, in, in some regards – I don't want to say outplayed um, because they, they did play very well, but we, we I think we led for 27 minutes of that game. I mean, we put ourselves in that position to win that. Um, there were some deficiencies of, you know, like I said, we turned it over a little bit, could have guarded a little bit better. We didn't get to the free throw line, but those things that we did do well—that's um, a step in the right direction because we we haven't done it in that fashion against that team um, over the last three years. I mean, if you go back to that nineteen twenty season when we did win sixteen games, uh, we went down to Bethany with basically the same team that we played last night, and you know we got blitzed by. 25 and uh so is is uh you know we all want to be playing tomorrow um that's where we want to be um but you know there is there is silver linings in it all but i i think at the same time um we want to move beyond that and talk about a friday playoff game or a sunday playoff game and i think that's that's the work we need to put in right now i mean and and there's a time off and there's a recovery time and there's a, a gear up Progression, but I, I I know we're all hungry for that right now too. So I think what I'm hearing is it 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 lends itself to the the saying of yeah we didn't win last night, but if we if we play the way we did last night, mm-hmm. more often than not we're going to win games. Yeah, I, I felt really good about it. Yeah, I mean I think anytime you can go in and uh, and have a performance like that, you know defensively we've always been pretty solid. Um, Offensively, you know, when we're on, we're on type thing. But I, I, I felt like last night was maybe one of our best offensive performances, uh, you know, along with Crown last week and all that. But I, 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 we were, it was there, and I think that's definitely something to build on. And again, we didn't, you know, we went into last night uh, just staying true to who we are. We weren't calling all special stuff. We didn't put stuff in in practice. We just reiterated what we've been doing from day one and that, you know, just came to life again last night. And 
Uh, we just got to keep staying true to that. So, and that's encouraging because that's who we are. It's not because, oh, we had some special game plan or something. That's that's who we are. So, yeah, there's a lot of positives there for sure. And you guys offensively, to your point also, seem to put some things together at the end of the year. I mean, your offensive output was 86, 81, and then 78 last night. Mm-hmm. So anytime you go above 75, I think you've had a pretty good offensive night. And you guys had three straight really good offensive nights. Um, and I think there were times this year where you guys did struggle offensively, um, you know, where the shooting percentages were a little bit down, guys weren't making shots. And that's where you got to have that mental toughness to kind of shut down a little bit on defense too because you got to get back and then still, you know, play defense, rebound the ball, outlet the pass, you know, and set up the offense again and then just keep plugging away. And that can be tough over a 40-minute span. You know, especially when shots aren't falling, because that's one of those things where you can lose focus when you go back down the other way. It's like we've had good looks, we just aren't making them. You know, we've missed five or six bunnies. It's just not going our way. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of going back to that point. Is yeah, you want to get some energy from your offense, but you also need to keep that energy on your defense too. You know, and that's when it, that's kind of really when you break it down, keeping that energy high. That's really what it comes down to. You know, is being able to keep in, especially defensively. Because if you can get stops, you can still keep yourself in a game, even if the shots aren't falling. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think, uh, um, I know we're getting a little X and O here, but just to keep taking a a, 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 dig, a deeper dive in on the year, um, you know, we don't have a team. We have talented guys on our team. I mean, we've had multiple guys score over 20 this year where, oh, well, get that guy the ball. But that's not how we play. Uh, we play, you know, we're designed to, to move the ball. We're designed to, to play together. And when we're at our best, it's when, it's when we're all on the same page, like we were last night, uh, like we were last week. And, um, it's just recognizing that. And that's a tough thing to do because everybody wants to help. Everybody wants to contribute. Um, and you know, what's the easiest way to do that? Well, score the basketball. But I, I think understanding of how we've played our best, it's, you know, um, it's our team, you know, right. playing yep. together and at our best. And that's not anybody being selfish that gets us no. out of that way. It's just you really got to be on the same page to to do that. And it, it goes to the other end of the ball. And, uh, you know, Andrew's been with us now for six months and has gotten a huge taste of that. And, uh, um, you know, I think what means you have last night, four or six? I know you weren't keeping track, but you know, <laughs> I think we had I think we had nine guys score last night. Um, I think you know we played ten. I think down at uh, Crown we last week. You know, I think I think almost maybe and everybody scored or we you know played all fifteen because they're moving the ball. You know, and that's just who we are. That's who we are. And I think just staying convicted, and consistent, and uh, who we are is will keep keep getting us to where we want to be. Because ideally, especially in college basketball, you want to have three or four guys in double figures. Mm-hmm. You're doing that, you're probably going to win. Or at least give yourself a really good chance to win. If you're getting big point totals from one or two guys, there's a good chance you could lose. Mm-hmm. So it is that you know sharing the ball, getting everybody involved, making sure everybody's getting their looks, but then everybody kind of flip, you know playing within the flow of the offense. Mm-hmm. And like you said, don't want to get too much as X's and O's here, but that's ideally what you want to have. You want to have balance. You don't want to have one guy that's scoring 25 and then the next guy scoring six or seven mm-hmm. because that's how you're going to lose a lot of games. Mm-hmm. If you got one guy that's averaging 15 and then the next three guys are averaging, you know, 12, 11, 10, and 10, you've got yourself a pretty darn good team, probably. You know, you may not have anybody that is lighting it up individually, but as a group, you're tough because you've got four or five guys that can score the ball at any given time. And that's what really is important, you know, is to have that balance. And really, that's sports. 
You got to have, you know, several guys that can, you know, in hockey, going back to your sport, John, you got to have three or four guys or girls that can put the puck in the net. Mm -hmm. You don't have that, you're probably going to struggle, you know, and that's just, that's just the nature of sports, you know. Maybe you don't have a guy that scores 40 goals in a season. Maybe you don't have a guy that's an All-American averaging 27. But you know what? If you're spreading it out between 11-15 and you got four guys in there, you're probably winning a lot of games. Right. What, what else you got? What does the offseason look like then? You know, because you, you said you're going to take a little break now, recharge and everything. And, I mean, if you think back to the, the last two springs, these your players probably haven't had – for the most part, because of the youth, mm-hmm. a true spring semester here. Yeah. You know, so what does that look like in terms of obviously finishing the year academically? Mm-hmm. But what does that look like in terms of how you get them started in their their off season work? Yeah, I think it's a, a unique off season for us. Um, I don't know as Andrew's here with us, it be his first college off season. Um, and to what you brought up. John, you know, in 1920, there wasn't an off season. Uh, last spring, I don't. We were still kind of in the situation we're kind of in now, but it was even more so. Uh, you know, pre-vaccine uh, world and or whatever it is. You know, we we're still kind of in a different world than where we are right now. And I think a lot has changed at our university right now too. You know, I think it was a couple episodes uh, ago. I think I, I could be wrong. Sorry if I am. That that you had. Uh, Coach PJ uh, Petrowski on. Uh, we know we've had the addition of him now to the athletic department and our strength and conditioning, uh, which we were all dialed in with this fall. We had a presence with during our season, and you know we're learning about what the capabilities of that can be. You know, while still in spring semester moving forward, um, that's going to be a huge piece for us. Um, our guys are committed to that. Our guys understand that world, uh, but we haven't had a, a real off season of it. You know, you go back to what our guys are as juniors, our current juniors, you know, Xavier Patterson, Mason Ackley. This is not an excuse. These are, I don't even like talking about it this way, but we can talk about it this way. Mason Ackley, Eli Vogel, Joseph Farenholz, Enrique Sanchez. That spring of 20, there was no off season. You go back to last year and just, we did have those extended practices last year. So that was kind of a unique niche, but we weren't able to attack the weight room like we're going to be able to really for the first time. I'm telling Andrew this is his first college offseason. In some ways, it's a lot of our guys' uh, first college offseason. Um, you know, we have the ability just to, you know, dive in deeper of a lot of our guys staying around campus this summer, which I personally think adds a whole new element to just your team and, and the development of things there. Um, you know, right now you're, you, you have the ability to return 16 guys. So – um, you know, a lot of things can happen. Things change in people's lives. And, you know, in a, three months from now, it might not be that number, but that's where we're at. So that's a great tool. I don't think there's many teams in the country that, that can say that. And obviously it's got to be used the right way. Just because you return guys doesn't mean it's just going to work, but it's still a great opportunity. And um, getting ahead of myself, uh, none of this is official by any means, but I, I we have an opportunity maybe to do some unique team uh events this year um by no means in the books yet but maybe potentially being on an international trip is something we've been planning on for a couple of years uh we have not tightened all of that up yet so i guess um you know probably reserve a little comment on that but but that's something we want to do and i think if we could put all those pieces together um 
that it can be a great our best off season yet. It can be our best off season yet. Period. So uh, that's what we're planning on, and now I got to do it day by day moving forward. Let's unpack something real quick. You you, you mentioned PJ yep. and and the the strength and conditioning piece of it. The difference being that he there's rules in place at the NCAA yep. about when you can have contact with players yep. during the course of the calendar year doesn't necessarily apply in the same way to him. Mm-hmm. So he has greater access to your players than you will. Yeah. yeah. During that yeah, my off, days are during that off now. season. Yeah. Yep. And that's a tool we haven't had in the toolbox over yep. the years. So this is yep. a, a new thing that has nothing to do with previous springs or anything, but it's a new thing. We yeah, have here. exactly. But it's going to yep. be a, a pretty crucial role for, for you guys going forward. Yeah. hundred percent. I think for multiple reasons, uh, one, um, because we need it. Two, our, you know, a lot of our opponents are utilizing that. We have that resource now. And three, um, you know, when we play physical, when we play aggressive, we are at our best. And to just add that dynamic into our daily routine and habits of being in the weight room and just the the environment that um, that breeds, if you will, within the team and, and the mindset and the confidence that comes along with that. It's a tool, and uh, you know we're at our best when we're we're playing in that manner. So it goes hand in hand with with who we want to be. How about from a player standpoint? What's your off season going to look like? Uh, I don't Survive really. school? Yeah, <laughs> finish out spring semester. I guess just kind of do what I get told to do. <laughs> <laughs> what what would a typical off season look like? Like how how many hours are you in the gym? And when you're in the gym, what what kind of things are you working on? I usually just try to go to the gym. Like I like to go by myself usually for maybe like a couple hours a week. But then I usually like to do like just bring one guy with me, and just like do partner shooting or like you can even bring like a post and you can work on like pick and roll stuff and like because post players kind of need like they need like other people in there to kind of help them make their drills more realistic. Uh, other than that, I don't know. I just kind of stick to. Just getting shots up mainly. And Coach mentions potentially players sticking around the area over the summer here. That's advantageous too because I mean it it, it changes the it changes the idea of pickup games completely. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have more of those guys around and it's like, hey, we're just gonna four o'clock be there. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it, it builds that that chemistry in in a way organically without you having to yep. be there to kind of force yep. it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think um yeah, I, you're totally right. I think it's just, uh, um, and I know Andrew's, you know, in his freshman year and maybe in a little different position than some of our older guys. But I, I think, like you said, John, it's just, it's just a natural chemistry. I think there's things as a coach you want to try to structure to have come about in a designed manner. But ultimately, when it's operating at its highest level, it's happening, happening naturally. It's happening um, because it's player led. Um, whether that's weight room, whether that's summer off-season stuff, whether that's stuff in-season, whether it's guys going to the gym together, um, that's when it's at its best. And I, I think we, we're at a place now where, where we can – we've been looking forward to that. We've been talking about it for a while, and just, you know, there's been maybe a few barriers in the way of it happening. But now, yeah, we can do that, and we need to do it. And um, I'm looking forward to that, that transpiring in the, in the months to come here. And you had the the opportunity this year. You mentioned a trip also. I won't make you dive into that because there's just way too many question marks mm-hmm. on that right now. Mm-hmm. But you had the opportunity to take the trip this year mm-hmm. and go out and play in the uh, D3Hoops.com yep. tournament. What was that experience like? Yeah, and I can, Andrew can comment on it too. I, I personally, for me, 
I thought it was maybe our best stretch of the year of just chemistry, togetherness. I mean, we split out there one and one, close game against St. Mary's, uh, a great win um, against uh, Whittier College, uh, medal to injury out there. Um, I th- I really thought that was a great just bonding trip, if you will. Uh, a lot of it was natural, you know. You're walking through airports together and, uh, you know, traveling across the country, um, helping one another out, baggage, where we got to be, what what gym are we in, what floor are we on, just that natural communication that needs to take place. Uh, obviously, we, we enjoyed ourselves out there, too, with just the venue and the tournament was awesome and, and getting to explore just, uh, you know, what what is in Vegas and everything that, that way uh, was good. Um but no, I thought it was great for our team. And honestly, after that, we did go into probably a two, three week extended shutdown of some sort. Um, and I honestly, I think that trip helped us just kind of look forward to getting back to with one another because what we experienced out there. So no, that was a great event. That was awesome. Hopefully, we get to do it again. Um, I'll, I'll I can MC it back over to Andrew and see what he thought of it. But that's that's what I thought of it. I mean, yeah, it was really fun. Uh, just like hanging out with all the guys, because when you're down there, you your the gym was in the hotel, so you go down there. We practice for like an hour. You only got so much court time after that. You just kind of hang out with the guys and go around. I mean, there was like a bowling alley in the hotel, mm-hmm. so doing that and just kind of messing around, checking out places, and I don't know. I felt really close with the guys, and I really like brought the whole team together. You mm-hmm. you're hanging out with guys that like you maybe you don't hang out with as much, and like the different groups and learned a lot about each other down there and that definitely helped for when we went down through our shutdown then and I mean like we were hanging out we hung out with each other in Vegas for like I don't know like five straight days probably and right. then all of a sudden we get shut down and you're not with those same guys it definitely like made you really look forward to getting back together again and yeah it really helped with the chemistry overall and you had an opportunity to catch up with some alumni out there as well correct yeah, it was, yeah, we had a number of <clears throat> alumni out there, and uh, we had a specific alumni out there, and Bill Scoble, who lives out in Las Vegas, played for uh, uw Superior men's basketball in the 60s and was just awesome and helping that trip kind of come to reality and um, helping us, um, yeah, just helping us out there with things, and he was with us every single day and, uh, you know, was happy for us that he was able to be a part of it, um, but yeah, happy our guys are able to be around that happy for me to interact with alumni but I was happy for him um just knowing what uh you know he went to school here if I'm doing my math correctly you know 60 plus years ago and for him to still have that level of engagement and passion for the program I I just thought was pretty cool so I mean he's kind of seen it all in regards to the basketball world so um I thought that was pretty cool that he was back involved and along with other alums that were out there as well so yeah no that was overall a, a great trip for us to say the least i'm actually pretty happy because there was a part of me coming into this with a little bit of dread because it was the the post-mortem this has been much more upbeat than i expected it really has been so it's been a i'm glad you think it, that yes I'm glad you think that i didn't it, know if it was coming off that way no i glad it, you think no because you you steered everything toward the positive i mean obviously there were the you know we, we took some lumps and we had this happen and that happen and you know, I think that's natural when you're less than 24 hours from, you know, the end of a, of a season like that. But, I, you know, it was, it was wonderful the way everything just kind of kept steering toward the positive and the, the outlook for, for the future because 
with the youth, with the experience, with the the personnel you have in place, you know, there's a there's a bright future in that gym. Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. And like we said, it's all about believing. And uh, I think uh, we'll keep going down that path. But thanks for believing, John. Hey, so journey tells me don't stop believing, right? <laughs> That's right. That's I was waiting said. for that one to come well along. I knew, I knew the way this was going, you know, don't stop believing was going to come into this at some point. Well, you talked still- about uh, – pre-game music before we came on air so maybe you That's could add fair. that to the playlist I, it's on the computer we can add that into the playlist anytime you want there you go there you go done done Taking care of for next year <laughs> there yeah. you go hey you know what i'm all on board i'm a big journey guy so go ahead <laughs> <laughs> i think it's a good way to wrap this one up coach andrew thanks for stopping by thanks, thanks for having us third we're gonna, time we're gonna t- <laughs> you're welcome second time yeah. we're gonna take a break we'll come back with more of i have the swarm right after this Orkers Island Inn is now hiring and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today. We're back on I Have the Swarm and I I, I love having Coach Polkowski on. He is so refreshingly Honest and candid. He is. And I just, I, I enjoy, I enjoy his conversations. I have uh, had many conversations with him, as you well know. And anyone that's followed UWS men's basketball, me being the radio voice now for however long it is now. I haven't even, probably 10, 11 years, 12 years maybe. Um, he's a very, very candid individual, like you said. Always strays toward the positive, which is good. Yes. Um, and... That is always where you want to go with an interview. But I will say this: he can also be very, very honest mm-hmm. about blunt. How he, yeah, blunt <laughs> about how he feels about how things are going. Um, and we had some very, very direct conversations the last probably two or three weeks or so about when the program is at, where they're headed, you know, the vision for the future. And there was definitely a point there for about two or three weeks where there was a complete slog going on with the team. They were yep. really, really struggling. And he was very blunt with me about how he felt about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I appreciate that because you definitely get the sense of determination and the sense that we may not be coming out of it right now, but we will be, trust me, because we're not going through this again. Right. And we're taking that next step. And this is how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. You have very direct conversations with him about that kind of stuff. And he just continued exactly what I thought he would say. Um, you know, I, I was not surprised at all by really any of his answers, you know, cause he, he takes a lot of it on himself. Yep. Uh, he does put some of it on the players, but he takes a lot of the responsibility for where the program is at on himself. And that's a good example, I think for the guys going forward, just mm-hmm. because it, it, it is a reflection of personal responsibility. Yep. And, um, you know, that's one of the things you always get from Polk. He'll, he'll take responsibility for it if there's a meltdown of, of some sorts and, within the program. And I wouldn't even say it was a full meltdown just based on the way that they responded at the end of the year. But this is the first time that he's seen something like this happen right? while he's been the head coach. And it weighed on him heavily. Mm-hmm. you know. And I think it still weighs on him. He's one of those guys that he'll go home and think about it every night before he goes to sleep. He's one of those kind of guys. right? So it was nice to see him come in and kind of reiterate some of the points that we have talked about in just our conversations. So, sure. You know, so... Um, yeah, I'd say that they, they give themselves a nice springboard to next year, you know, just based on how they played at the end of the year here. I mean, it wasn't exactly what they wanted, mm-hmm. but it was definitely on the right track. Yeah. 
and that's the big important piece of it. Yep. Well, speaking of boards, uh, their season, women's basketball season now has gone by the boards, but yep. we still have uh, a couple of teams that are in postseason action. Yes, yes, and big challenges coming up. Yes. For the teams that are in so the postseason. So let's, let's talk here. about that. Yeah, the two hockey teams both are still active and still having their seasons roll along here. Uh, women's hockey will be on the road for the uh, Wyatt Conference Tournament semifinal round, taking on the top seed, UW River Falls. Really good team in River Falls. Tough assignment. Yeah, really tough assignment. Uh, that's a top five team, mm-hmm. no question about it. And they are definitely a team I think that I could see uh, compete for national championship. One and two. Yeah, there's something like if I that. Remember right? Really, really good. Twenty two and one or something like. Yeah, that? Yeah, they have a really, really good record, um, and they have had a tremendous year already. They're the number one seed, like I said, in the mm-hmm. tournament, and they'll be taking on the Yellow Jackets, or the Yellow Jackets will be taking on them Saturday and Sunday, as I mentioned, down in River Falls at Hunt Arena. 2 p.m., the opening faceoff there between the Yellow Jackets and the Falcons and a tall order for yeah. Coach Dan Laughlin and the Yellow Jackets taking on that team because that team is really good. Yeah, they're really good. I mean, they're they, really good. They're di- they're deep, they score goals, and they don't give up much. They don't much. give up much. So Yeah, so a yeah. big challenge ahead for the big Yellow Jackets win. this yep. weekend. Same thing with men's hockey. Big challenge. Yep, big Tough challenge. assignment. Yep, top 10 team. Top 10 team. Um, and the number one seed in the Wyatt Conference Tournament. Semifinal round for Coach Rich McKenna and the Yellow Jackets Friday and Saturday. The opening faceoff against the UW Stevens Point Pointers down at KB Willett Arena in um, Stevens Point. Opening faceoff both nights set for 7 p.m. pregame on 91.3 FM with my buddy here, John Garver, at 6.30 p.m. both nights. And uh, some spirited uh, battles between the Yellow Jackets and the Pointers in recent years. So Yeah, um, there's been, you know, you go back over the playoff history, there's been some incredible games. Incredible games at Westman Arena, incredible games at KB Willett Arena, and... You know, I, I know this team, you're, you look at it and go, okay, it's a five seed versus a one seed and and all of those things. I, I think this team understands, one, we have a conference championship to defend. Right. We took yep. the first step last weekend. This is the second one. Two, we're defending it in the building where we won it. Right, yep. You know, and, and three, we've beaten this team this year. Right, So yeah. I'm, I'm expecting a, a classic yellow jacket pointer. Well, to reiterate game. something that we talked about in the, in the first segment, buckle up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be 120 minutes of hockey, mm-hmm. at least. Yep. Um, I will wink, wink when I say that, just because there is a an, an added uh, bonus possibly there yep. after that second game, mm-hmm. um, which we all don't like. But, nope. but it's going to be at least 120 minutes of hockey yep. um, to decide who moves on into the uh, the, the uh, tournament championship round. So, yep. um, But yeah, tough assignment. Yeah, it is a tough assignment. Tough assignment. I mean, both hockey teams have tough assignments, so. Yep. Um, if you get a chance to watch them online or listen on the radio with my buddy here to my left, um, should be a fun weekend, but I know that you're anticipating it being very, very tough. Yeah. Both ways. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, what's coming up for men's and women's hockey this weekend. Uh, men's and women's indoor track and field. They host their big event of the year Friday and Saturday, hosting the UMAC conference championships at Lydia Thiering Fieldhouse. action on Friday gets underway at two 30 PM while on Saturday, Action starts with the championships, the actual championship races, at 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. over at the, the field house. And uh, I think uh, the Yellow Jacket men are in a good spot right now. Yeah, I, I think Glenn likes where he's at. Yeah, I think he's got a lot of point scorers there, and we'll see how the women do. Women have been off for a couple of weeks, so we'll see where they're at. Yeah. You know, but uh, the men uh, right now look like they're they're doing okay, and right now they've got the four-time athlete of the week yep. running for them in Derek Moe. So there's... There's some momentum there. There is, and they're looking to defend a championship. So, yep, yep, you know, we'll exactly. See. So, and uh, as for tennis, we talked about them in the first. They're actually off now for a while. Yep, 
March 14th is their next. They're off uh, till spring. Yeah, and they'll be taking on Roger Williams and North Central of Illinois. Yep. So they're idle until then. Now, the games, by the way, will be played down at the USTA Tennis Campus in Orlando, Florida. So mm-hmm. that's their big trip for the year. And It'll baseball and softball are coming up there, too, though. They've got uh, games coming up not this week, but I think the following week, don't yeah, they? Yeah, the following week they'll be um, baseball's at U.S. Bank and softball. Do they go to Bethany? Bethany no, they're going, no to, they're, uh, um, they're going to Oshkosh. That's right. They're the, yeah, they're, they're going they're to Oshkosh. Oshkosh. I talked with Coach Fracker about that. Yeah, that's they're, right. They're going to Oshkosh and playing the Dome there. Yeah. So. They're uh, they're each going to get some games in before they take off and go to Florida as well. So yeah, so that uh, yeah, I mean, start to heat up a little bit of a quieter weeks. week this week because everybody's in postseason. But yep. uh, um, yeah, once uh, once the winter season, which is you know winding down here, gets completed, we'll be moving on to spring. And um, by the way, for those of you listening, if you're looking for our broadcast schedule, uh, we're gonna we're working on it right now. Yes, <laughs> we're trying to figure out what we can and what we can't do <laughs> in regards to that, and hence our weather discussion at the beginning. Correct. So uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. Uh, that'll be coming up hopefully in the next week or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get that up there and uh, find out uh, how many games we can get in because that's always a challenge, John. I it, mean, you it and I is. both know it. It is. Yeah, you know. You, this is the time of year where we have more collaboration about our schedule than any the time. Spring schedule is always know. a very a very fluid document. Yes, it is. You know, and there's no reason to believe that this year is going to be any different. Right. So there'll be that, a lot so. of collaboration between you, me, and Elliot, for that matter. Yep. So we'll so. try to figure this all out. But uh, yeah, check out the broadcast page if you're looking for uh, the broadcast because it should be an interesting spring season. slash broadcast. Elliot Swearer is our production engineer in the other room. For Elliot, for the Big Sound, Matt Johnson, I am John Garber, and thank you for listening to Eye of the Swarm. Mm-hmm.